Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Hey, welcome. My name is Jeff. I'm part of the teaching team here at Rainier View, and we are wrapping up a series today called Movement. Uh, we started this week one by talking about moving from spiritual apathy to spiritual openness. The reality is that some of us, when it comes to faith, right, we're just not that interested. Or we know people who are uninterested in faith and spiritual things, and, and sometimes we wonder how do we start a conversation or how do we encourage people to be open, or maybe we think about why should I care about faith and the things of faith. Uh, and we talked about how to move from spiritual apathy and why we should consider a move to becoming spiritually open, to being open to what faith can mean for me and the good things that I'm missing out on by not considering that. But then we talked in, in week two about the fact that we can move very quickly from initially being open to becoming critical. There's a fork in the road that comes up where we could be open, but we could become critical very quickly of something new or exploring something new. And that applies to faith as well. And we talked about in week two how we can move from being uh, people who are critical, we can press through that, to be people who are curious, to truly have a curious heart to just explore and understand the things of faith. Then in week three, we looked at the, the fact that, that we can move not just uh, from being curious, but we can reach a point where we reach a state of life change, where faith can become real to us, where we can understand who God is in a deeper and a more profound way. And there can be a moment where that happens for us and we experience these good things and the richness of faith and what it can provide for us. And then last week we looked in week four at how we can move not just from having a moment of life change, a moment of faith, but that we can move towards a life of maturity, of growing and exploring the depth and the width and the breadth and all the good things that faith has for us and being a person where it's not just a moment in time, but it's a life of maturing. And today in the final week of our series movement, we're gonna talk about how we can move from not just having a life of maturity that's about me, but living a life that is leaving a legacy. And that's what I wanna talk about today. How do we move from thinking about faith in terms of me to leaving a legacy with my life. Because many of us think about life and even, the, even faith through the lens of self, right? What do I get out of this? Is this fulfilling me? Is this meeting my needs? Even many Christians, right, will talk about our church experience and we'll talk about it through that lens of self so often, right? Oh, like I am just not feeling it anymore. I am not just getting fed here. You know what? This church, this ministry uh, is just not meeting my needs anymore. And that place that we find ourselves in, that is not the, the place that God wants us to end up in. There, there's a step that he wants us to push forward to, to, to shift from faith being about ourselves to about leaving a legacy. Uh, and you know what? Think about what you know about Jesus, okay? Uh, can you ever recall a time where Jesus said something like, hey, disciples, you know what? Like, I just need a better group of dudes hanging around that I'm hanging around with, looking at you, Judas, right? Like, especially just, you know, like, I don't know. I just need to work on myself for a while. So I'm going to block you for a little bit. You're kind of toxic to me right now. And so, yeah, I just need some space. Uh, or when does Jesus ever say in the gospels, you know, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to save these people. Uh, but you know what? 
maybe there's a planet somewhere else that has more deserving people on it. Like, I just really have to think about how I'm investing my life and my energy. And so I, I, I'm not sure about those people on planet Earth, God. I, can I get another planet to go visit? Um, or, you know, can you imagine Jesus saying something like, well, you know, God, sure, showing up uh, in the first century AD, that, that could be cool. But, but what if I waited? Like, what if I waited till the year 2022 after the pandemic is over? Uh, and, you know, it's just going to be so much easier for me to do my ministry, uh, to not get my hands as dirty when I can just get a Twitter account, you know, at the real Jesus and get like 3 billion followers. And like, man, that's going to scale so much better for me than uh, dying on a cross in the year AD 33. Like, what if we, what if we ran with that? And I mean, think about it. Like all those Christian celebrity pastors, like they can endorse my book deal. How, how can the kingdom of God expand in the world without all those, right? Now, hopefully you don't think that those are real things that Jesus said, but if you are concerned at all, no, of course not. Of course, Jesus doesn't say anything remotely close to any of that. What Jesus does say in one of the gospels, the gospels are the accounts of the teaching and life of Jesus, one of the things that Jesus says in Mark 10.45, which honestly haunts me more than it encourages me sometimes, is this. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I said that it's haunting because the reality is that verse, when I think about what it means, and I think about giving my life away to other people, right? Other people are going to misjudge us. Other people are going to hurt us. Other people are going to let us down. And to know that and to still give our lives away to others, man, that's just simply hard to do. But that's it. This is what Jesus invites us to. You want to leave a legacy? Give away your life. Not just for a moment, not just for a couple years, but for your entire life. You know, there's a couple that we support as Rainier View, uh, as missionaries, and they are dedicating not just a couple years of their life, but a couple decades of their life. They've, leaving, they've left the United States, uh, and they are living uh, on or near the equator, uh, somewhere in Africa, and they've committed their lives to Bible translation, that they're going to spend a couple decades helping a tribal group that does not have God's word in their own language, their heart language, and they're going to dedicate a couple decades to translating the New Testament and parts of the Old Testament uh, for this tribal group to have God's word in their own language. And they were writing kind of the adjustment and getting settled and beginning there, and they wrote to us about trying to fall asleep in the dry season in 115 degree heat in a mud hut. And what they did, they were they're having trouble sleeping at night, and so they got their sheet and they drenched it before they went to bed, soaking wet, uh, pulled it over themselves, and that they had the best night of sleep that they had in a week. Uh, and they woke up in the morning and the sheet is bone dry, uh, but that is how they've chosen to, uh, again, figure out how to sleep in a mud hut in Africa in 115 degree heat in the middle of dry season. Now, first of all, you and I have very little to complain about <laughs> in our lives compared to that. But I don't, I don't share that um, to say, that's what you need to go do. 
I do share that to say that if we want to leave a legacy, if we want our lives to not be about ourselves, then we have to be committed not just for a short period of time, not just a moment, but to live our lives giving ourselves away for the good and for the benefit of others. And that's how we leave a legacy. We cannot leave a legacy and be concerned with me. As uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? The reality, this message today, this step of our movement series, this final movement to move from me to legacy, this isn't for everyone. Some of us are not ready to make that commitment. We're not in the place to make that step, and maybe, uh, maybe we never will. Uh, this message is for those of us who, you know what? We have, we've got the basics of Jesus down. We know a lot of right answers about the Bible. Um, we do some of the things that God asks of us most of the time. Um, we, we try and honor God with our lives. We're trying to, uh, to, to understand God's word and live it out. But there's a difference between that and having a moment where I decide I am going to make my life about leaving a legacy for others. Everything else, every other decision, every other desire, every other uh, part of my worldview is going to become subservient to that. I am choosing to live and serve like Jesus does to the world around me. And that's why we've been in the book of Acts in this series, uh, because we wanted to see and walk through together some of these moments in the life of the early church. And that's what the, the book of Acts shows us and how it expanded and how it grew. And in a lot of ways that happened because people were willing to give up their preferences and their comforts and their rights for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others to come to know this life-changing message about Jesus. And so uh, we wanted to give you a taste of that, a little sample of that in this series of, of how that's happened and this, this rapid expansion of the kingdom of God in that first generation of Christians. And sometimes we look at that and think, man, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be great to be part of that? And I'm not saying that like we're stepping into an era that's going to be exactly the same as the first century uh, AD in the beginning of the church, but I do think we are entering into a season where there's going to be greater spiritual openness uh, in, in the lives of people. We're going to see more and more people more open to exploring faith because I believe the promise of the World War II era that we were promised the end of, of modern warfare, at least in developed Western worlds, that, that it was done, it was over. We were not going to have to uh, be subjected to that. The, all the major problems that we wrestle with are going to pretty much be solved by technology, uh, by science, by connectedness. And so we have this, these, these promises um, that we'd be able to live free of warfare, free of uh, major diseases, at least while we're younger, and we would be able to live longer, healthier, and more carefree lives. And whether or not we were conscious or unconscious of this, we really began to replace the need to put our faith and trust in an infinite God because we were trusting in ourselves, in our own progress, and our own ability. And what have we discovered, right? Over the course of, of the last couple of years, man, none of us are immune from a global pandemic. We've been rudely reminded that life can be short. It can be taken from us uh, very quickly. And that none of us are immune from that, no matter who we are, no matter where we live. We want to believe so desperately as people that, man, people aren't inherently evil. Uh, they just need more access to opportunities and to resources and to education. And those things are good things. Certainly, right, we want people to grow in the ability to care for one another and to even care for the planet. 
But increasingly, we look around. We can't even agree on the basics of what it means to care for our environment. Putin has raised the specter of World War III as a, even if it's unlikely, as a possibility, something that we would have never thought we would have to have to grapple with in our lifetime. And the horror of what's been inflicted upon Ukraine uh, has rudely reminded us that the default mode of humanity is what the Bible describes as sin. Basically, concerned with myself, concerned with my tribe of people, and not caring at all about those outside of my group. We've been rudely reminded that we are never more than two steps away from terrible violence against one another, or even just five steps up the flight of stairs at the Oscars to commit an act of violence, okay? We're coming to grapple with this reality that we have not erased our sin nature within us. And so what do we do about that? I believe there's going to be an openness to faith, and maybe that's where you're at right now. And so for the first time in a long time, I believe we need to collectively, as a people, grapple with that we need something bigger than ourselves. We need something transcendent and beyond ourselves to worship, because what we have created, what we have put our trust in, and that's what a God is, it's whatever we're ultimately trusting in, we've, we've proven that it's, it's going to be a God that fails us. And so now we need to look beyond. We need to figure out how is faith going to fit into my life in a more real, in a deeper and more profound way. Because the kingdom of God continues to advance throughout the ages, throughout the generations, throughout the millennia. But in every generation, God in essence asks, who is willing to devote their entire life to serving me? Who is willing to devote their life in its entirety to seeing my kingdom expanded? That's not to say any of us are going to be perfect. That's not the point of what the Bible presents as faith. But this is what our churches need. And I believe that some of us are ready to shift, to move from me to legacy. Some of us are ready to begin to view our faith, not through the lens of myself, but through the lens of what's the legacy I can leave for other people. And so we're going to close our series by looking at one more account out of the book of Acts. Um, We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 together today. Uh, And so we're going to encounter two individuals, Paul and Silas. And so at the beginning of uh, Acts 16, Paul and Silas were planning on building the church up in a certain area, but then they sensed God's call, God's leading to go to a different region, to, uh, to Macedonia. Uh, to bring the hope and the love of Jesus to a group of people who needed it. And so join with me in Acts 16. We're going to begin in verse 16 and see how Paul and Silas were rewarded for giving their lives away as a legacy for others. So beginning in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her, for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And so there's a lot of interesting things kind of going on in this passage. Um, first of all, a question like, why did it take so 
Paul so long to do something about this girl's condition. Uh, but, but what's going on here is these men are using this young woman for profit. And ultimately, Paul's presence through the power of the good news of Jesus brings freedom. He brings freedom to her, not only over, uh, from these evil spiritual forces, but also of the control of these men who controlled her and used her for their own profit. As a side note, today, young girls and women are utilized and taken advantage of in the same way all over the world, in developed areas of the world as, far, as well as uh, less developed areas in the world. And so, as it was true for Paul then, it is the same is true today. The gospel is the answer for freedom uh, for all people. And so the systems that the world uses, including human trafficking, when the gospel uh, encounters those and the gospel kind of crashes into those, uh, those we face stiff resistance to change. And if you want to learn a little bit more about how we can be involved in just human trafficking and even begin to educate ourselves, there's an organization, a21.org, and you can go there and you can just kind of educate yourself a little bit more. Uh, But let's go ahead and continue and see how this passage unfolds and what it teaches us about leaving a legacy. Beginning back in verse 20, it says, They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So we see Paul and Silas here and how are they rewarded for their faithfulness to, to give their lives away for, as a legacy to others? They get rewarded by being unfairly and unjustly imprisoned, beaten and flogged for, for their efforts. Okay? What's fascinating to me here is that do the other believers, do they call the Defense for the Way religious freedom team to, to come step in and bail them out? No, we don't see that at all. Because Paul and Silas are not primarily concerned about their rights, their comfort, their privilege. No. Instead, we see in the passage they choose to worship. Okay? In a situation, in a circumstance that would defeat most of us, Paul and Silas knew that God was big enough to step into their situation, to act, uh, and to use something that from our perspective is terrible for God's ultimate good here. Because here's the thing. When we are called to lay down our rights our preferences, our comforts, honestly, you and I tend to engage in uh, a bit more fight or flight activity, right? We tend to run away from from circumstances that cause me to give up some of my comfort or give up some of my privileges. Or we can even dig in sometimes and we can attack, uh, often verbally, but sometimes physically, anything that would threaten my rights, my comfort, my security, my preferences. 
But either way, whether we, we kind of try and attack that or whether we run away from those kind of situations, in both cases, that is us choosing to focus on making faith about me versus thinking about what is the legacy that God wants me to leave? And what can we learn about leaving a legacy here from Paul and Silas? How do we move from me to legacy? Well, I think we begin and we see the example of Paul and Silas is to stay in the circumstances in which God has placed us, to stay there, to remain, to be faithful to the mission that God has given us, to help his kingdom expand, to help other people in our life see that living in the way of Jesus brings hope and peace and modeling that regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of what, how great of a situation or how poor of a situation we may perceive it to be. Now, yes, this is not a statement that you should, uh, you know, remain in an abusive relationship, but that's not really the point of what we're talking about here. This passage gives us a very clear challenge that it is not okay. If we want to have a deep, mature, legacy-leaving faith, it is not okay to make the point of faith me. It's very clear about that. It is not, a lot, it's not okay to allow my faith to be driven by the same consumeristic culture and the same consumeristic needs that drives so many of us who claim the name Christian, and yet we just act completely consumeristic when it comes to the practice of our faith, where we make it about my needs, okay? I believe it's why we struggle with following Jesus, because like in uh, Luke 9, 23, Jesus makes it very clear the cost of following him. It says there, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. That just simply is not natural. And that's okay. We're in the process of figuring this out together, but supernatural uh, supernatural life, spiritual life, when it comes to following Jesus, looks radically different than, than the world around us, okay? Because when we stay in tough circumstances, when the situations that don't seem to return any, any good uh, back to us on the surface, uh, that's often when Jesus works the most, when we see God on display the most. Because think about how you and I would, would interpret this situation. At least I would, right? Uh, I've been wrongfully imprisoned. I've been beaten. I've been flogged. There's this earthquake that comes out of nowhere. All the doors of the jail fly open. You know how I'm interpreting that situation? It's time for me to go. God has made a way for me to, to get out of this and go some, somewhere better, right? And I'm, I'm guessing that most of us would fall into that category. Uh, and yet, what do Paul and Silas do? They do the exact opposite. They choose to stay because they were like Jesus, because they knew their risen Lord who had faced an unjust trial, who was unfairly and unjustly executed. And they're walking in the way of Jesus and they willingly are giving their lives away as a ransom for many, just like Jesus did for them. And we see this completely selfless act here by their choice to stay. When, when all signs are pointing to go, they choose to stay. And what happens? We're telling a story of faith that happened over 2,000 years ago that we are literally still talking about today. Their concern is for others, uh, which leads to them saving the life of the jailer who was going to commit suicide. And he was going to commit suicide because the death that he would have been subjected to by the Roman authorities over him would have been so painful, would have been so terrible, that it was preferable to, for him to end his own life right then and there rather than to fall into their hands. Okay? 
and the willingness for Paul and Silas to stay, to care about him at the expense of others, uh, or to care about him at their own expense, opens up a moment of radical spiritual growth. Let's pick back up in verse uh, 31. It says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord, the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then he immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent the, off, their officers to the jailer with this order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we were Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison? And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. And so we see that because of Paul and Silas's actions here, that not only the jailer, but his entire household are radically changed because they didn't make faith about themselves, but about others. And so what happens when you and I are concerned about the, the good and the, and the well-being and the care of others, okay? We see joy and we see faith abound. That's what we just read about here. These things abound in the life of the jailer and his family. Imagine the joy that must have been present as they gathered together and they, and they celebrated this meal and this, this profound, crazy moment of faith happens. Like, can you imagine being in that living room, being in the home uh, and just experiencing this radical moment? And so I want you to ask yourself right now, who am I robbing of joy? Who am I even robbing of faith by choosing to not stay in difficult or challenging circumstances? Who might miss out if I bail? And the passage ends, by the way, with this moment of triumph for Paul and Silas. Because they trusted in God, the whole city gets to see them walk out of town. Okay? You don't think that the whole city wasn't talking about what just happened? You don't think that the good news of Jesus wasn't part of what people were talking about that the, the day after this event happened, right? But all of this only happened because of Paul and Silas's willingness to, again, give their lives away as a legacy to others. What I love is that Paul and Silas don't stop there. They're not focused about themselves. They're not focused on like just uh, celebrating this one moment and then like, well, it's never gonna get better than that. Or like, I did my good thing. Uh, so now I'm just gonna, just gonna, you know, study and not really put myself in any situations like that anymore. Uh, instead, the passage goes on at the very end there to say what? It says, and they left. Now, I, you're probably kind of confused because you're saying, Jeff, you said, no, stay, stay, stay. And that's where God's gonna work. But now they leave. What, how do we make sense of this? Uh, for them, for them, for Paul and Silas, their call was to go to continue to share this good news with other people that had not yet come to embrace it. And that was part of their call and their path to follow. And so I think this is true for all of us. 
For, for some of us, it's just right where we are. For others of us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be to go to step into a new situation, a new context, a new place, uh, right? And, and see how we can have an impact for the kingdom of God, how we can represent the love of Jesus well. For those of us who, you know, we know the basics of faith. Like, we know how to find the book of Joshua in our Bible. We've got a Bible reading plan, and we pray every day, every morning, or every evening. Um, you know, we, we, again, try and do the right things that God wants us to. Those of us who are in that place of maturity, have we truly flipped the, flipped the switch to be people who are legacy leavers, who look to the needs of others and ask ourselves, how can I help others experience the hope and the life and the goodness that I've discovered following Jesus? How do I make my life about helping as many as possible embrace that? Another question to ask ourselves, am I missing out on seeing God's power at work because my legacy is focused on something other than serving others? Right? I want my legacy to be where I've traveled. I want my legacy uh, to be what school my kids go to. I want my legacy to be uh, just, you know, killing it in my field or being famous or whatever, right? Are those things the legacy they're chasing after or is it giving our lives away in the service of others? And I believe this morning for some of us can be a moment where we move uh, in, our, in our spiritual lives, in our faith lives to, to shift from being me-focused to legacy-focused. But for a lot of us, probably we don't really know what to do with all this. We don't really know where to begin, and, and, and that all sounds good to leave a legacy, but we're not, we're not quite sold, or we're just not quite even sure, but where do I begin? And so let me give you a simple, profound, powerful, and dangerous prayer to pray. I'm going to encourage you over the next week to just take two minutes out of your morning, so go ahead and set your alarm five minutes earlier than you would, because you're going to fight it those first couple minutes you wake up. You're, you're going to try and not pray this prayer. I just, you know, just know that up front, but just take two minutes to pray this prayer. God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And just sit with that prayer. God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And then sit with God and allow him to speak into um, where he's calling us to serve others, where he's calling you uh, to some sort of action, big or small. And keep praying that prayer. Don't just pray it once and be like, okay, well, God, you didn't show me anything. Okay, bye, tried that. Uh, no, because again, this morning is the morning for some of us to make a shift, to make a change, to make the, the remaining balance of our life, whatever we have left, to be in the service of serving others and, and leaving a legacy for others. For some of us, this is the morning where we're going to make a decision and we're going to decide that my life no longer is about me. I'm no longer living for the gram or living for whatever experiences that I'm chasing after. I'm no longer chasing after whatever my version of the American dream is. No longer am I going to be about that. For some of us, it's a morning to finally declare, I'm going to stop complaining and pining for my church experience of 30 years ago or even three years ago. Then my focus is going to be solely on helping represent Jesus to as many people as possible, to help as many people as possible come to experience the hope and the joy and the peace that is found in the abundant and new life that is offered in Jesus. I want my life to count for that, to be about that. If that is you, reach out to us, connect with us, message us however you need to, because we want to pray with you. We want to help you process what do those next steps look like? 
so that you don't get to the end of your days and realize you lived a me-centered life when God was inviting you to leave a legacy for others. So grateful that you chose to join us for this movement series, and we hope that you'll join us back here next week. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org.